Hello, and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. I'm Mark Betancourt. Now is the time to invest in infrastructure for those countries that can afford it. That's according to the International Monetary Fund, which has suggested that infrastructure spending could pay for itself if done correctly. Interest rates are low right now, which could help countries foot the bill for these often huge, mega-billion-dollar projects. Another reason to make the investment now is because better infrastructure is often a key ingredient in high productivity and can help jumpstart sluggish growth. But infrastructure projects can be notoriously Herculean tasks, taking years or even decades of work, vast amounts of money, and a lot of savvy coordination. The United Kingdom is confronting the challenge, looking to spend about £460 billion, or over $700 billion, over the next 15 years to update its power plants and transportation systems. Geoffrey Spence is head of Infrastructure UK, a unit within the British government's Treasury Department that works on Britain's long-term infrastructure priorities. He says the UK is enjoying a rare consensus on the need for spending on big infrastructure projects, highlighting possible lessons for other countries. I spoke with Spence after he participated in a panel at the IMF World Bank Spring Meetings in Washington, D.C. last month, and I began by asking him what exactly Britain plans to do with that £460 billion. It's really two areas that take up the bulk of those funds. The first is energy, and there what we need to do is not only replace power stations that are coming to the end of their lives, we need to build new power stations that actually are decarbonized and actually therefore enable us to meet our commitments to decarbonization. So that means major infrastructure investments in nuclear power stations, in offshore wind farms, and all the grid connections that need to go with that. When it comes to the rest of infrastructure, it's transport mainly, yet again roads, railways, and of course um, we'll have to come to decisions soon about what we do about airport capacity in the southeast of England. And part of that transport investment is not just to meet the existing needs that we've got and that we've identified, but also to propel ourselves forward in terms of growth. So in the UK, how exactly do those infrastructure investments translate into growth? So one of the things we've noticed is in the UK that when we see growth, we see it growth coming from cities. We have got a global city, which is London. But when we look at our other urban areas, actually, by European standards, the cities are not large. So what we need is uh, the agglomeration benefits and the growth that comes from, if you like, cities that are more connected outside of London. And actually, if you're going to do that, one of the key things you've got to do is provide those physical connections that are needed in terms of railway lines, better roads. And those are the sort of things that we want to see happen that will propel us forward in terms of future growth. So what are the barriers that exist right now to getting some of these things done uh, in the near term? I think the plan is an, has been an important uh, source of long-term security, which removes one of the barriers, which is uncertainty about the future. But the government's also said we'll spend £100 billion on infrastructure in the next parliament. So it's actually laid out spending plans for infrastructure well ahead of what it normally does for all expenditure. And it's therefore added to the certainty for private sector companies to see what's going to happen. So if you're going to spend this amount of money, you have to be also convinced that you've got an industrial base and a skill base that can solve these problems. We've identified, for example, that we're going to need to tunnel under London for the next 20 years. At the moment, we're doing that with a major rail project called Crossrail. We'll be then doing it for a major sewage project. 
uh, called the Thames Tideway. And then actually by that stage, whenever that is built, for high-speed two, we need to tunnel under London. So rather than having these three projects just doing their own thing, what we've done is we've created a skills academy uh, for tunnelers in London, which will actually train people. Over that 20 years, they'll go from one project to the other. And all of those sponsors uh, of those individual projects are involved in the, in the academy. And therefore, we have a degree of coordination and mutual investment and long-term perspective that actually is going to give us the sort of skills that we need to ensure that you know we get the right cost for these major projects. So we have to take initiatives like that. And the government has to act as a sort of a, a referee to bring these people together to put the skills uh, in place. I mean, the other thing we will do, though, I mean, we are uh, forming partnerships with uh, other companies outside the UK to take forward our investments. We, we are unique a little bit in that we're extremely open to foreign investment and bringing foreign expertise to help us build these things. So for the nuclear program, we're framing an alliance with China and with EDF of France to take forward the Hinkley Point C project. That's another example of initiatives that we're taking to give us the right skills and the right industrial capacity uh, in the UK as well as with our partners overseas just to make sure we get this done. The government in the United Kingdom has changed recently. Are these new things with this new administration? And how do you balance uh, this, these sort of long-term projects when you know that the, the people who are in government now may or may not be, be around to see those things through? So look, a lot of people worry about this, and a lot of private sector investors worry about this a lot. And we seem to be blessed in the United Kingdom that there is a very wide degree of consensus politically and amongst the population that we need to spend more on infrastructure. Um, they really do want to see um, improved roads. They do see the benefit of it, and they don't, you know, we all see it because, you know, we, we, we face congestion. They use railways more and more every year, so they want to see better railways. And actually, I think the most remarkable thing is when it comes to energy, uh, we we are committed to nuclear power, um, and and actually it's not a politically controversial thing, in terms of the population. Uh, there is differences over specific projects, but I think our consensus, I mean, particularly given the discussion we've had this morning across the world as to the issues other governments face, is seems to be stronger. The infrastructure is a good thing. We need to invest it. And we've provided frameworks going forward that will see us through general elections, commitments about budgets. Um, and this national infrastructure plan also will actually be delivered because it's got this, it's got this political consensus, I think, behind it. That was Geoffrey Spence, head of the British government's Infrastructure UK unit, explaining how Britain plans to accomplish a massive upgrade to its infrastructure as painlessly as possible. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can find more like this at www.soundcloud.com forward slash IMF dash podcasts.